was all the same I was under the sky, no new horizons Maybe there is no one else to listeners and welcome back to the Campbell's Footballs podcast with your host Dr Grant Campbell here for the crack and hopefully some really excellent discussions. This episode we're talking about all things Rangers FC. I'm delighted to be joined by some of the cast of the excellent This Is Ibrox podcast, Scott Patterson, Tom McIntyre and Martin Douglas. Gentlemen, a warm welcome to the show. Hi guys, how are you doing? Thanks very much Grant. Going to, uh, going to start off on the right foot and uh, Tommy McIntyre, let's get rid of the Tom right <laughs> off the bat. There we go, that's my first uh, input to this podcast. Thank you so much for having us. He actually prefers we Tam. <laughs> I'll, I'll call him Tam that's then, straight you, man. That's not, that's not what your girlfriend called me, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic. Gentlemen, it's it's great to have you on the show. How have you all been coping during these very strange times with coronavirus in our society? Uh, I'll jump in really quickly because it's a very short and simple answer for me. It hasn't really affected my life. The job that I do, I've been working all the way through it anyway. Um, the job that my missus does, she's worked all the way through it and we've got good family that have been able to look after the kids. So it hasn't really affected me at all. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll happily pick up from that as well. I'm probably in a slightly similar position to Martin. Um, my day-to-day job, I work from home anyway, and so there's not been a massive differential for me. If anything, I've you know not had to travel to places like London or anything like that. So I'm you know massively happy, and that's not to be glib about the COVID pandemic or people finding it more difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if anything, it's uh, it's helped drive me towards the podcasting, and I'm sure we'll pick up on. Uh, on all of that later. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, similar to the guys, I've, I've, I've been working from home. I actually changed my job during COVID, um, just just very recently, actually. Um, so that's brought different elements of excitement. I've got two young kids as well, so for the early part of, of the, the lockdown, I was trying to work from home, as was Mrs. Patterson, and uh, we were trying to look after the kids at the same time, so trying to be sort of full-time um, dad as well as the, I'm a planning engineer in the oil and gas industry so trying to do that at the same time as well which was proved to be a wee bit of a challenge um, yeah. however as I say it is I think everyone's just got used to it now to mm-hmm. be honest does, does I think everyone is largely scunnered with it yeah yeah I think, absolutely I think adapting and almost finding this sort of new normal in inverted commas is just something we kind of have to deal with at the moment and it's not easy but then life isn't easy, is it? And I think that's yeah. just the, the beauty of these things. Um, I should probably say for the people for the people out there, right? Because we've got a bit four fairly similar views there, right? But lots of people just don't like other people, and if you've got the chance to sit in the house and not interact with other human beings, I would generally say that's a positive, and everybody should everybody should try it for uh, for at least six months. So yeah, yeah don't have any bump into people in the street. That's a that's a massive benefit. Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife's desperate to get back to work. Unbelievable. I think one of the things that's really in- interested me during this whole pandemic is you know, interacting with technology, Zoom calls like the one we're doing here, Skype interactions, etc. In terms of a podcasting, has that changed for you guys a lot or has that always been the case, just meeting up and doing it on Skype or Zoom, etc.? Yeah, well, actually, to be perfectly honest, none of the guys on the podcast have ever actually met because we started it about a week before all the lockdown stuff. We all arranged to meet up and then the lockdown hit. <laughs> so we've never actually met. Blimey. Which, 
once you get to know Tom, he's actually probably quite a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk a lot. I, I actually back oh, that. I backed that up. Yes, I backed that up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good thing. You're absolutely right. You know, for, for a you know for a really popular podcast, we've we've never met in, in person. This was all put together, and we didn't know each other before that. This is all, you know, being a collection of people who, who love the club, who love Rangers, and we came together to put something together. The pandemic has obviously had a massive impact on how we can interact with each other, how we communicate. You've touched on that as well, Grant. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting story at the back of that in that we produce this information, we produce this content. We've never actually sat in the same room with any of the guys. Yeah. I think as well, it's, it's for me, it's, it's fascinating that we have... Um, we've all sort of come together and it's all just kind of fitted properly. So we've got a lot of guys that are, are behind the scenes that, that don't go in front of the camera, but do a, a huge amount of work in the background and they know who they are. Um, they, they do a, a large amount of work on our behalf to make sure that the work we are doing sounds nice and um, just knits together properly for, for the viewer, yeah. the end viewer if you like so we're, we're very lucky that we've got a, a really good group of guys that are all very very good at what they do. Yeah absolutely and we'll talk a little bit more about This Is Ibrox podcast later on in this show because I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about what you guys do and some of the others who are not on this call tonight, uh, what they're doing as well. We're recording this on the 22nd of October, Rangers have made a great start to the Scottish Premiership season Top of the table, as things stand. What's you guys' assessment of the season so far by Stephen Gerrard and Rangers? Well, I'll uh, I'll break the habit of a lifetime and try and be fairly fairly short uh, and not take up too much time. Um, yeah, I think by and large, it, headline would be extremely positive. It's been a really good start to the season, so I think we're what, eleven games in now domestically. That's what, if you like, your first block of fixtures. Uh, as we get into it, there's been really tough games there. So historically in Scotland, going to places like Pataudry, which is Aberdeen's home, um, going to Easter Road, which is Hibernian's, going to Celtic Park, which is which is Celtic's as well. We, we've done that. Um, we've beaten Aberdeen. We've beaten Celtic, uh, Celtic just recently at the weekend. They're 2-0. Two, two um, you know, the first time we've recorded back-to-back wins at Celtic Park for a large number of years um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on the ease of that performance as well. There's been a couple of little blips, um, dropped points at some of the smaller clubs you know, Livingston dropped points at Hibs as well and I would class them as a smaller club it has to be said, anybody who's not Rangers in Scotland gets classed as a small club as far as I'm concerned um, <laughs> anybody, anybody out with Scotland who's not Rangers gets classed as a small club as well so maybe I'm showing uh, too much of my colours there. But uh, yeah the report card would be very, very good start. Nothing won yet. And one or two little concerning blips that we need to show. I'm sensing, and I'll, I'll wrap up there to let the guys jump in, but I'm sensing the watchword that would be written in bold by the teacher at the bottom of the report card would be must show consistency. Uh, and that's that's what's needed for, for Rangers to, to be where they need to be, which is winning the title at the end of the season. I think, just jumping in quickly on what Tommy said there, just to add a wee bit to it, is that there's a different feeling, I think, this season. And I actually asked that just on the podcast here. I think it was Scott asked. We look different. We look more composed. And I slightly overreacted to the Livingston game because that's what I do. That's why I host and don't answer questions. But there was, there's definitely a different feel to this Rangers team. You could see it in the performance against Celtic and also you could see it in the performance again tonight in Europe. I think there's the... There's an awareness in, in the manager as well. 
just now, Grant, I think Stephen Gerrard is, is really, really aware that he is going to be judged on what he throws into the trophy cabinet in May. Um, I think it was quite obvious. I think it was after the Galatasaray game, Rangers TV's coverage was wonderful that night, the Graham Shunis and Walter Smith up in the gantry. And when, um, when they interviewed the manager at the end, he, he was very quick to say, yep, it's been great if it was a league game it would just be three points and they don't give out anything no one gets a medal this early on in the season it's as simple as that but what we have to make sure is come May come the end of April we're certainly up and about there Um, and Stephen Gerrard will ultimately be judged on on how many trophies he wins this year I believe yeah absolutely and there was two things that really kind of shone out for me especially off the back of the Celtic victory at the weekend past there very muted celebrations by Steven Gerrard and his players, unlike late last year when they went to Celtic Park, the Katic winner, and then obviously the Gerrard famously celebrating in front of the camera, and then it kind of all fell apart really after that, and it, I, that for me is something that was very interesting, and if you've read my Football CFB blog uh, on the game, the Scottish Premiership Review of the Week, you'll see that I think that there seems to be a kind of a coming of age of Rangers as a team and it seems like you guys have, have spotted that as well I think that's a, it's a different mentality the team have but I also think a lot of that had to do with how much we controlled the game and how easy we made it look because like the, the guys have said on the pod as well you know we never get out of first gear never mind second so we made the game look rather easy which you would never think if you go on the past years that we would do that at Parkhead but I think that had a lot to do with Gerard's reaction plus this new mentality that the team seemed to have mm-hmm. I, I think that we, we, we kind of covered this a lot in the, the, the podcast last night Grant that we recorded sorry Tuesday night rather that we recorded or was it last night I can't remember um, <laughs> Celtic, at, Celtic at the weekend they were poor um, but I, I made the statement that I felt we controlled the game when we we had the ball importantly but even when we didn't have possession of the ball we were absolutely in charge of the game the flow of the game just the way that the, the play panned out we were absolutely in charge and it was never in doubt that we were going to come out of that game with three points mm. absolutely no point did Celtic put us under any danger whatsoever so um, while we're probably still gloating about it now um, it, it's bragging rights any old firm win in my opinion is bragging rights until the next one um, we're just very lucky that it puts a bit of daylight in between us and them now regardless of what they do with, with their game in hand mm-hmm. uh, just, just to add to that because I agree with everything that, that the guys were saying there but I'd probably draw a slightly higher line as well through that and I think you you know we've all touched on it to various different degrees and using different different words there but it's a growing maturity so this is you know Stephen Gerrard Rangers version 3.0 if you like there's a seriousness and a maturity to the team and that's game management, being able to dictate to teams, even Celtic at, at Parkhead, not chasing games, not getting too up, too down, being very professional about their performances. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that we, had, we didn't touch on earlier, which were worthwhile bringing back out uh, in the daylight, is this is born by a fact of, I think you know, Celtic have got a game in hand, um, which wouldn't take them above us even if they win it. But our goal difference is, you know, I think five goals superior, we set a Scottish record for the amount of consecutive clean sheets there's a a weight to this team which is, if you're going to score against us, it's going to be bloody difficult to do that, Mm -hmm. but we also have the ability to unlock teams and some of those lower lying teams that we're seeing, uh, low block and all that terminology Rangers are starting to be able to just be methodical in unpicking them and not um, 
not panicking. Yeah. And that weight and that seriousness and that professionalism is born from the real confidence that's in the squad as well. I think that's the main the main difference from the previous seasons. Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned about the record as well, because Rangers have just conceded three goals so far in their opening 11 games. Two at Easter Road, of course, in that 2-2 game. The other one being in that 5-1 victory um, at Far Park. Is that something that Rangers have done well this year, tighten things up defensively? Obviously, Leon Balligan's come in. Connor Goldson has really been outstanding this season. James Tavernier, captain, has been very strong as well. Is that an area where Gerard has really focused on um, improving a lot I'll take that one to start with guys um, I think the easy answer is yes Connor Goldson is clearly one of the gaffers favourites there's no two ways about that <coughs> uh, and I think and it's one thing I actually meant to throw in the podcast this week that, that we carried out if Gareth Southgate is looking for a right back to play for England and a, a good centre half or a centre half that he wants to try considering the, some of the diddies that have made any of that English squad over the last couple of years Conor Goldson cannot be far away and James sorry Tavernier can't be far behind them well Harry Maguire's not playing well for Man United at the moment it's just I, I, I don't want to take away too much for the Rangers chap our defence have started really really well the way our full backs play which which everyone knows about <laughs> they play high up the pitch which gives them a, an added attacking threat but an added to that the, the sort of the rigidity of Conor Goldson and Helander has been excellent. Um, Philip Helander looks exactly the sort of player that you hoped he was going to be. Big, strong boy, played in Italian football. Quite horizontal, I think, as far as his attitude's concerned, because he's not he's not the fastest defender. And I think if we had a, a fast striker, a nippy striker up against him, we'd maybe have an issue or two. Um, however, as a as a defender, his positioning. Um, is, is spot on more often than not he will not get caught out um, and Connor's just a cracking start to the season you have to say most of the weekend where he'll do you know what I mean that's something that will go down the record books for a long time there won't be another centre half that will score twice at Celtic Park to give Rangers a 2-0 victory certainly in my lifetime I'll say it there delighted if you're but delighted if you're proven wrong with that Scott I, I have to say <laughs> um, I'll even take a Celtic centre half scoring a couple of OGs but uh, <laughs> I, I think yeah, uh, I think you know, um, and I know Martin is, is looking to jump in as well. So um, I, I think the only things I would add to that, whilst I agree with everything that Scott is saying as well, you, you can look at some of the individuals. So really important thing is the cohesion of the group and the cohesion of the, the midfield in front of that as well, because Rangers are a team that attack as one and defend as one as well. So you've got people like Morelos dropping deep and, and closing down and all that type of thing as well. But also, even within the changes, each individual has been very, very good. So uh, if you look at the back five, if you say, for the start of the season, Alan McGregor, your, your number one, injured. John McLaughlin comes in, stellar performances. Probably a bit unlucky to get dropped uh, on you know uh, on behalf of Alan McGregor, in all honesty, although McGregor is the better keeper. And then you look at, you know, Scott's re uh, reference, Balogun there. Balogun was out as well, comes back in, comes back in tonight against Standard Liège as well, plays really well. Hellander was out comes back in, stellar performances, strolled at Celtic Park. You've got um, James Tavernier seems to have found a level of um, performance which is beyond anything I think he's, he's done at Rangers. For, for this level, I'm taking the championship season out of it, in all honesty. And then you look on the left-hand side, you've got Borna Barisic continuing his great run and showing why he's the Croatian number one left-back choice. But also, you know, hobbles off a little bit tonight. Um, I don't think he played at Fur Park either. Oh, sorry, um, uh, 
Bassett played it, uh, came on as well, and I think it was for Parker Dunby United. But Bassett comes off the bench tonight against Standard Liège, plays phenomenally well. So you've got a young boy, I think he's 20, uh, being able to drop in there as well. You've got a lot of performers there, mm-hmm. and that's before you add in guys who are, you know, Katic injured, centre back. Um, you've got Edmondson who's in round about that as well. So the units worked really well. But also the individual performers inside that have been absolutely stellar, whether they've been coming back for injury or dropping in. Just to bookend it, Scott's absolutely right. Conor Goldson is the de facto. If James Tavernier didn't have the armbands, Conor Goldson would have it. One of the great things about football being quiet at the moment, if you like, is you hear how much Conor Goldson talks his partners and talks in inverted commas, shouts at his partners um, throughout a game. It's he's, he's a big talker, he's a big organiser. Scott's absolutely right to highlight him. Yeah. This is absolutely why I love hosting because there's nothing I can add to what Scott and Tommy have just said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Martin. My apologies for that, buddy. Absolutely fantastic. I'm glad you added that in, Martin. I think that's fant- absolutely fantastic. You mentioned that midfield has often been an area where Rangers have got a lot of options, haven't they? I mean, Ryan Jack, Scott Arfield, Ryan Kent has really impressed me from afar this season so far. What have you made of the blend of options in that Rangers midfield so far? I think you really have to look at Scott Arfield. He's been absolutely phenomenal since he came in. Um, but also you've got to look at Stephen Davis as well. You know, Stephen Davis has been exceptional. He's shown what a good player he is. Like you say, Ryan Kent. For me, the last couple of games, Ryan Kent has been quiet, but he's still been very, very good. So if that's Ryan Kent and a dipper for him, then I'm absolutely open to him. You've got Ryan Jack as well waiting to come in off the bench. He started tonight in Europe as well. So... It's, it's the depth in midfield, I think, more than anything else. But the quality is there as well. But we've got outstanding depth, especially with Bagani Zungu as well that we've signed. We don't know what he's going to be like, but it's it's really exciting and encouraging. I think the one thing for me is that you you now have uh, an Rangers midfield that's packed full of quality internationalists. We've got internationalists in each of these positions now, depending on how. Do you know what I mean? If he sits, if Gerard sits with one in front of the, the sort of back four, it's only ever going to be Stephen Davis or, or Ryan Jack, both internationalists. Glenn Kamara finishing internationalist and playing out of his skin anytime he plays for Finland. By the way, Zungu we don't know a lot about just now, but again, internationalist all vying for those three chairs, if you like. So we've got quality in there, we've got experienced quality in there, and we're going to need them this year because all things being equal, we'll be playing in the latter stages of of all the, the sort of cup tournaments we're in, um, and we're going to need a big squad to accommodate hopefully all the games that we play. One, one minor addition to that, which would be those goals in that midfield. And if you're going to win trophies, you're going to win prizes, you need goals coming from all over the park. You know, Martin's referenced Scott Arfield, Scott's referenced, you know, uh, other guys, Joe Rebo, for example, get in there. We don't know what Zungu's like in front of goal, so we speak. But that's before you add in guys like Hadji or Kent, uh, and then the forward players are coming back. Again, goals from your midfield, that's a good place to be. We've talked a lot about the defence in the midfield so far. What about up front? Because one of the big question marks throughout the summer and, and certainly through the early part of the season was the performances of Alfredo Morelos, Kimaruf and Cedric Eaton have come in. Obviously Jermaine Defoe is still there, he's been injured but is hopefully making a, a recovery. What's your assessment? Well, it's hard to say anything negative about Alfredo because as soon as you do the Twitterati are on you but I think if 
all being honest, he hasn't made the greatest start. He's performed well in some games, but I mean, if I can just go on the European performance tonight, his first touch isn't there. You know, link up plays sometimes okay, but in front of goal as well, he's he's not performing to the expectations that I think we all expect from him. Um, he ha we have got Itten and Roof. Obviously, we've only seen Itten a couple of times. Roof as well tonight. I mean, that goal, you know. But he's quite injury prone, so that's quite worrying, I think, for a lot of Rangers supporters. And Jermaine Defoe obviously left out of the European squad, so he'll be used sparingly, I think, in the SPFL simply because of his age and his injury problems. So it does look quite good up front sometimes, I think. But like Tommy said about the midfield, we're going to need the goals from the mid midfield because if Alfredo's not performing to his top level, we're kind of relying then on Roof, who's quite injury prone, Itton, who we don't know a lot about, and Defoe, who we don't know how much time he's going to get on the park. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think Morelos has had quite a, a disappointing, slow start to the season. Mm -hmm. but you have to wonder if part of that is because he was just so good last year. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I heard the, the, the commentary tonight um, for a Blue game, which we'll, we'll cover shortly I'm sure um, and they were talking about just how prolific he was in Europe last year in the six group games he's, he played he scored six goals mm -hmm. which has taken him so close to, to Ali McCoy's record in, in European football so he's set himself a standard he's he set himself a standard for 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 meeting this year if you like and there's no doubt that so far this season he just hasn't quite reached the, the heights the problem for Alfredo Morelos is now we do have decent alternatives to him so if he's not cutting it um, someone else will just replace him and I think it's as simple as that last year we, because he was playing that well he wouldn't have been replaced anyway but if he was in a small dip of form Jermaine Defoe would have been the man that would come in and they, for all Defoe's a fantastic striker they play the game entirely differently yeah. Morelos is a bully and he's nasty and he's horrible central halves must hate playing against him Defoe's not like that Defoe isn't like that he strikes, Defoe strikes you about a nice guy so you'll knock over Andy Considine for example and help him up Morelos will go through Considine intentionally and leave him on the ground that's the difference <laughs> well he also uh, liked to give uh, Scott Brown a little mention at the weekend there as well <laughs> the little uh, well it was, just a, it was just a clip in the year we've all been there <laughs> they're all one yeah, exactly. probably is the right answer Scott, Scott Brown just ruffling his hair way of Alfie's hand just looking to ruffle his hair um and realise he doesn't have any um yeah, I think I think on that I'll be slightly more um, direct then than the guys, and I'll say you know, Alfredo Morelos has had a relatively poor start to the season. You know, I don't think that's yeah. that's anything massively controversial. It's not it's not been working for him. Mm. And you could look at the different things. You know, was it the, the transfer saga over the summer? The fact that Rangers didn't do it. The fact that he now is under pressure for his jersey. Scott quite rightly referenced uh, there as well, and, and Martin is uh, too. That there's people. In place who can take the jersey, particularly KMR Roof. You don't sign a guy like Roof unless he's probably going to get a jersey at some point. Would Morelos have started as many games, you know, given his form, if Roof hadn't got his injury? Probably not. But does he always offer something different to the squad and the team? He absolutely does. You know, I, I'm starting to think we may, may not see a lot of Jermaine Defoe ever again, mm -hmm. uh, in all honesty. Um, yeah. You know, does get potentially a back out to another club come Christmas type of scenario but and I wish him all the best Jermaine Defoe seems like a lovely person a great professional but we're talking about Alfredo Morelos it's not working for him he's mm -hmm. having the same sort of start to a season as Yanis Hadji yeah. which is 
some things are coming off, some things are not. He's not really been the same. Scott's mentioned they set a high bar last season. I think in that Europa League performance, he also set the, the record for the most goals ever scored in a European competition before Christmas. Yeah. That's yeah. Not just for Scotland, not just for Rangers, ever, for anybody. So that's a high bar. But it does seem as if he's off the boil. It's not just performances that he's off the boil. Mm-hmm. Um, came out roof coming in and getting back to fitness. Itten, who had the small injury as well, getting back to fitness. That's that's all good. If there's competition in the Rangers squad and Alfredo Morelos finds himself having to work harder in training to get a jersey back, yeah. that's a good thing to the club. And I care more about the club than I do about the individual players in the jersey. Were you surprised that Morelos stayed at Rangers? Because he got offers or we believe there was offers from other clubs are you surprised he's still wearing the blue of rangers sorry martin on you no go. no no i was just saying i'm very surprised because there's been a few occasions now where alfie's kind of down tools and wanted away and i, I firmly believe that with his disappointed record as well sometimes not his fault sometimes his fault but unfortunately the way that he's seen in scotland now as soon as we got an offer that we deemed good enough and if the off- if the rumors are to be believed and it was between 16 and 18 million for me that's good enough for alfie because i think we all thought and tommy scott tell me if you if you disagree but i did not expect the same kind of performances from alfie f- simply because he was he was off the boil since january and then when you bring in more strikers, when you when you pay eight, uh, was it eight million for it and roof together, when you bring in that kind of uh, value striker wise, you really do expect Alfie to go. But don't disagree that I think we all thought he was going to go, uh, and th- there wasn't any ambiguity. There were, there were concrete offers. Uh, uh, for, for I think Lille was one of the clubs, wasn't it, in, in France? Yeah, you've you've read you've read my mind there. I was just about to reference them particularly. So, uh, and there was a, a lengthy chase. We did bring in more firepower that adds to the squad. Did we all think he was going to go? Yes, I'd probably take exception, Martin, a wee bit there. I don't think he's down tools. You know, there's none of this. No, what I said was he has he has down tools in the past. He hasn't. I wasn't saying he has. Well, I'd probably take exception with that as well because I don't agree with you. Um, I, I'm not entirely convinced. I see that 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 opinion. Um, <laughs> Uh, and feel free to back up with the examples, that would be good. But, um, yeah, uh, exactly. Um, Return, yeah, uh, ret- returning home two days late from abroad when you really should have been back in time. I, I don't know how you make that down in tools, to be honest with you, but, um, yeah, okay. Um, let's let's park that one up uh, with that. <laughs> I'm, willing to let it, I'm willing to let it slide on this occasion. Um, I do agree with Martin, though, absolutely, that this, this iteration of Alfredo Morelos since the start of the season has not been as good as we would expect and he's now getting to the stage where you're asking why is he getting the jersey from a starting position I, I don't want to fight with the girls what I would say is that um, I actually said on the podcast I didn't think Alfredo Morelos would leave um, no, I, I need to delve back into our archives and, and sort of almost quote myself but I didn't think he would go and the reason I didn't think he would go because I thought that Stephen Gerrard was was quite vociferous in his um, defence of how no offer that has came in has met the valuation for the player it's as simple as that while all this was going on you're reading about um, players have uh, teams have agreed terms with them which must be a European thing because you wouldn't get away with that in any other country in the world do you know what I mean but mm-hmm. um, we've agreed terms with him we just need to agree a fee which seems a bit sort of 
are sended as far as I'm concerned. Um, <clears throat> I didn't think he would leave. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he hasn't left. I believe he's our best striker now. He's still our best striker. Um, and an on-form, an on Alfredo Morelos is, is certainly someone you want to keep in the squad. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Yanis Hadji because you guys have talked a little bit about him already. Comes with a big name, obviously. His father, Georgi, was an unbelievable player uh, in his own day. What have you guys made of him since he's come to Rangers? Because he was excellent towards the end of last season. Now that wonderful, okay, it was deflected. It was still a good free kick against uh, Braga. And some of his individual performances have been decent. But this season, a little bit of inconsistency, perhaps? I think if, put like this, if Yanis Hadji was twice as fast as he was, we wouldn't be seeing him in Scotland. He, he's, he's almost a complete player. As far as I'm concerned, I've said before, he is um, certainly the most technically gifted footballer at, at Ibrox in my mind just now. I know Thomas will suggest that Joe Aribo isn't far off him, which is probably fair. Um, but I actually went out of my way to say that I actually felt he was the most two-footed player we've seen at Ibrox since Brian Loudrup. Wow. And I, I, I still believe that. I still believe that. But I, I do think that if he had a little bit more pace, you wouldn't be at Rangers and that's just the way it, I think it's easy to get sort of lost in the um, in the, the noise of his name almost it's, it's easy to think oh he's, he's Hadji that boy's Hadji he's bound to be a superstar he's a different player to his dad completely different player to his dad plays the game entirely different um, and indeed today 22nd of October is only 22 young young boy yeah um coming to new shows, new people and having to adapt and having to adapt to a big, big club with fans that, whether we like to admit it or not, I'm really patient. If you don't hit the ground running, then you're on a sticky wicket. You have to make it happen. Um, I think so far this season, I, I read he's had something like seven assists already. That's not bad for a boy that's not really started many games. Yeah. So he, he's a, a valuable part um, of a squad. But again, a wee bit faster, he wouldn't be with Rangers. I'll, I'll be very, very quick with Yanis Hadji. I think the worrying thing for Rangers supporters is that he was at Anderlecht and then Ghent or the other way about and it didn't really work out for him. He has had an inconsistent start to the season, but like Scott says, he is the top assist maker in the league. Mm -hmm. and, he, and the other thing that you have to remember about Hadji is that even when he isn't playing well, he never hides, he always wants the ball and he's always trying to do something. Yeah. Good, good yeah, there. Key point from Martin at the end there. Uh, I fully agree with the fact that you know Hadji has all the things you would expect from the cliched luxury player, but actually he's got grit and he keeps going back. It's not working for him right now. He is young, Scott said. He's obviously putting the numbers on the board. Expectation versus reality is the conversation. He had a really good time when he was here on loan, so probably discount some of you know maybe what Scott was saying about new shows and all that because he was at the club for a while. Um, but he has come across. He is delivering. In terms of the assist that Scott, Lee, Scott Rightly flags up, it's just not been, you know, headline grabbing stellar, and that happens. He's a young boy. Yeah. It's it's still coming for him. If he goes up a level, if if his bad performances make him joint top assist maker in the in the league, that's not a bad fallback position no. in terms of you're not playing particularly well. So, yeah, it's all positive, actually, in my opinion. No, absolutely. Interested to hear you guys' thoughts on some of Rangers' key players, Hadji, Morelos, etc. I want to ask you guys for one name here, because if you had to pick one player who has stood out for you, been Rangers player of the season so far, who would it be and why? When I pick out one player, it has to be Tavernier. 
You know, he's been absolutely outstanding this season. It's what is it? Eight goals, nine games, something like that. Um, uh, defensively, nine and ten. Yeah. Defensively, he's looked absolutely solid. And for anybody who questioned his captaincy, I think it was Scott that mentioned it earlier with the no crowds. You can hear Tav shouting, and also he leads on the pitch by his performances as well. And again, he's a guy who doesn't hide. He's been absolutely fantastic this season. Easy one to agree with. I think Martin's absolutely nailed that. He would be my pick as well. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing with Tavernier as well, and I think Martin's kind of alluded to it there, he, he's a classic modern-day fullback. I can remember when I started watching Rangers, and the right-back was Gary Stevens, who was a good right-back, a good defender first and foremost, had guys playing in front of him that he didn't have to go beyond the halfway line in a lot of occasions, because he was good at what he was there for. James Tavernier, when he arrived at Ibrox, wasn't a great defender, and I don't care what anyone says he wasn't. However... As his time at Ibrox has, has continued and he's became the captain and responsibility has become greater on his shoulders, I think he's developed more of a knack of defending, particularly this season. I think he looks more solid in that right-back role. Um, and the, the sort of threat that he adds to us going forward is, is absolutely massive. He's like a 12th man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Don't let, don't let Scott Kidd you, Grant. When he started watching Rangers, it was Sandy Jordan that was the right-back. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a bad player, was he? <laughs> No, I, would take I think Sandy Jardim was playing a Hearts at that point, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about aspirations for the season, because a lot of Rangers fans I know, all they're interested in is stopping Celtic winning 10 league titles in a row. Is that the case with you guys, or is it to win a cup as well? To go far in Europe? I'll happily jump in there. Sorry, Martin. Oh, Thank you. Very kind of you, buddy. Um, Push all of that to one side. Great run in Europe and all that type of thing. Nothing that Rangers do is about stopping Celtic. Rangers win trophies on their own. I don't particularly care about Celtic. So Rangers winning the 55th title is all that this league should be about. And certainly from my perspective. So, no, I mean, I, you know, just putting that out there, Grant, that no, Celtics, Celtic are a, a rival club. Best of luck to them. Um, in italics, obviously, um, but it's it's not about stopping them doing anything. It's about Rangers getting back to where they should be and adding that fifty fifth title to their you know world record uh, amount of trophy haul. And if we can chuck in a couple of trophies there and, and stick in a double or a treble, I'll be I'll be delighted. But it's all about the league t- uh, the league title for me. Now. Martin Scott, you in agreement? One hundred percent. It's all about the league, but also, and you know, there may be. A lot, I know that you've got a lot of different supporters, Grand, that listen to your podcast and stuff. But and they, they might think this is controversial, but there is nobody within Rangers that is in the slightest bit bothered about this ten in a row thing because none of us take it seriously. You know, just very quickly, the four first four years we went there, the next four years we weren't competitive, and last year they were handed it. So. None of us take that seriously. It's all about like what Tommy says, what we do. And for us, it's about winning the league. That's simply it. Yeah, I mean, the guys nail it. I've, I've said before, I, I think I sort of led it at the start of the pod, Stephen Gerrard has to win something this year and they will be measured against that come May. Um, the trophy that he throws in the filing, the, the filing cabinet, the trophy cabinet first, um, has to be the league trophy. It has to be league trophy. It has to win it this year. Um, if not the league trophy, I'm going to say that a trophy will do. But I think I speak on behalf, and I know I speak on behalf of the guys. Um, we want it to be the league trophy. 
Mm -hmm. Now it's an interesting point because obviously last year Rangers got to the, the League Cup final, in my opinion dominated the League Cup final, missed chance after chance after chance and got punished by uh, a goal from Christopher Julian which I thought was particularly dodgy, I thought it played about offside, um, yeah. obviously Morelos misses the penalty. There was moments in that Old Firm, Old Firm game in the final and we've seen it in the last couple of league games as well, Rangers just seem to be getting the measure of Celtic in these big games. So why can they not kick on and try and be closer to Celtic domestically? What happened towards the end of last season, say, for example? Why did they not hang on to Celtic's coattails? No idea. I have no idea what happened. And that was a question that we all asked. And if you could answer it, then you'd probably be on Rangers coaching staff. It's as simple as that. I think, I don't know if it was a case of... We, we played really well against Celtic in the League Cup final, like you said, and we lost it from a 10-yard offside goal. Um, but we did miss chance after chance after chance. If you don't take your chances, you don't win games. But then it was the second Old Firm game, the New Year one, where we were the far more dominant team. We showed Celtic that we could beat them. We beat them, and then the winter break came. And I don't know if a lot of the players just thought to themselves, listen, this league's in the bag, we're going to do this. But if you could answer that question, Tommy, you'd be a, more, you'd be a coach of Rangers. Uh, well, okay, since you referenced me there, I'll happily, happily jump I in. Can't help it. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I think the predication of that is there's two bits to it, which is one, do Rangers have the measure of Celtic? Yeah, they do. Back to back wins at, um, at Parkhead, the League Cup final you're talking about, although Celtic got themselves over the line, and that's what it's all about sometimes. But the performances from Rangers have been pretty, pretty strong. You know, I, I think it referenced on uh, this is Ibrox podcast the other night that. Celtic don't go into these games with any great strength anymore. It's a you know expecting Rangers to put in a real performance. The post Christmas break, you know, there's a lot of mythology around about it and a lot of mystique. Nobody really knows what happened. Do I think that would happen this season? No, I don't. And so the, the second part of that predication I was talking about there is Rangers are closer to Celtic in the one-off games already, and you know probably surpassing them if you want to be really brutally honest about it. The, are they getting closer to Celtic and keep a hold of their, their coattails? That's the consistency against some of the other clubs in the league. And that takes us back to your very first question, uh, Grant, which was, you know, how are they doing? Well, first block of fixtures out of the way, even if Celtic win their game in hand. Which is against Aberdeen, I may add. <laughs> yeah, it was against Aberdeen, so, so that's three points in the bag for Celtic then. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I probably agree with that. <laughs> I, I just obviously... Ring any ribs, Tommy, ring any ribs. Yeah, yeah, I just obviously... I'm just waiting for you to turn my, turn my camera off now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, I think that's me on a yellow. But, um, yeah, so, but even if they win that, even if they win that, buddy, um, then you know, they'd still be behind Rangers in terms of points. Rangers have went to all these venues that I was referencing earlier on and the worst thing that we've had is we've dropped points with draws. One of them was Livingston where we should, we should have won and Hibs where we had a bit of an off day and still managed to score two on the road at you know, a reasonably difficult venue. If you're going through blocks of the season and that's your tale of woe, you're going to be top of the table come the end of it. There we, there we go. So from what we're seeing, we have got that consistency model. Yeah, it's an over reliance on Alfredo. I think last season as well. That was a big factor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good point, good Yeah, point. absolutely. Let's move it on to Europe because obviously, as we're recording this on the twenty second October, Rangers have beaten Standard Liège tonight in Belgium two nil. Um, James Tavernier a penalty and then an absolute wonder goal by Kimar Roof. What is the aspirations for Rangers in the Europa League this season? Because in a group with Benfica, Lech Poznan, and Standard Liège, can Rangers get out of the group one and two? If they do. How far can they go in the competition? 
they so abs- we absolutely can. Sorry, Scott, mate, on you. Sorry, mate. No, you carry on on you. No, we absolutely can get out of the group, but we also can dismiss the other teams that are in it because I think what we've seen for that game tonight was that Standard Lage are a very, very good team. Um, and if it wasn't for the fact of the horrendous weather, then it would have been a, a, a far closer game, in my opinion. But we also showed that we are a team that are built for Europe. And there was a couple of times on the break we, we could have scored another couple of goals. So absolutely, yeah, we should be, our aspiration should be to qualify from this group. And then it all depends on the draw. A couple of things for me. I think we can win the group. Um, I think that, that we, are, we are in a position that we can win that group. Um, I don't want to use words like comfortably or a doddle, but I, I, I genuinely think we can finish top of the group. Um, Stephen Gerrard has got the team really purring when they go to European football, and we, we've seen that tonight. I, I actually spoke on a podcast that we've held this week. Our European game should be about what Rangers go and do as opposed to being concerned about how good the opposition are, and I think it's something that a, a Rangers fan psychology has, has adopted over the, the past years we're more concerned about everyone else as opposed to knowing how good we are uh, and, and, and I have to say that I think it's something that um, as supporters we just got used to over the years um, I think that the two big games will be the ones against Benfica clearly those will be the biggies um, if we can take four points from these two games um, we'll be doing really well um, the game tonight was a great start for our campaign we really um I thought we stood ourselves in quite good stead. It was a cracking contest until the rain came on, I felt, and it, it did spoil the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kima Roof has clearly been watching uh, Charlie Adam on YouTube. Or David <laughs> Beckham or Wayne Rooney, for that matter. Or <laughs> a couple of Manchester United players in there, um, rather than levelling the site a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a stunning, stunting finish. I'd recommend all your all your listeners to go and go and uh, go and dig it out. Another one for Rob McLean's commentary highlights reel as well. <laughs> that's, that's exactly. Uh, Hi, Rob, if you're listening, and uh, previous guest of the show, of course. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. That's a, that's Rob's speciality there. But you know, the guys are absolutely nailed it. Uh, I think we can win the group as well. I think it will be tough, and we shouldn't be complacent and all that kind of good stuff. But you know, Standard Liège hadn't lost in Europe since I think 2015. Um, and Rangers we are as you know, absolutely I think, you know, showed a level of maturity and class and, and that control that we were talking about earlier as well. Um Bruce goes next week in a glass H area on the on the top of the three points so to speak. I think Benfica yeah, difficult. I think going to Lech Poznan will be difficult. I know Benfica went and scored there, you know, four to, tonight there, I think. Got a four two victory. Yeah. Um but ultimately I think Steven Gerrard has managed to move the dial in that getting to the group stages. As difficult as it has been, you know, Rangers have set again a record of coming from the qualifying rounds, cons- you know, consecutive seasons to getting Absolutely. to the group stages. This is not easily done. No. And you get Galatasaray, that's you know, boss level waiting at the end for you on mm-hmm. a one-off game, um, which we managed to, to win as well quite quite well. But getting to the group stages is now a kind of de rigueur minimal standard that Steven Gerrard and this squad has managed to put in there. It's a phenomenal achievement, shouldn't be overlooked. And then it's about, okay, getting to the, the knockout stages. And once you get into the knockout stages, this team have shown that anybody they've come up against, they can absolutely play. The only team I've seen who have been a level above us are probably by our Leverkusen. Yeah. Um, who had guys like Harvey and all that in their team. And even then, it wasn't an absolute 
thumping, but they were clearly at a class above. But you know, teams like Braga, um, you know, teams like Leria Warsaw, Villarreal, Porto, you know, these are big names. Galatasaray, they've all fell by the sword. So get out of the group, whether it's second place or first, get into the knockout stages, anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. Rangers as well. Can I, can I just come back on that? I think for for Scottish football, what Rangers have done tonight is, is pretty huge as well. One hundred percent for the for the for the game in our country. What we've done tonight is is pretty special. We, you know, what I mean. Scotland going to a, a, a Belgian team Belgian so far above us and all your coefficients mm-hmm. ratings whatever you want to call them miles ahead of us and we've went and, and, and ripped up the rule book for a team that have been so consistent on their own patch since 2015 five years ago now where were Rangers in 2015? everyone will be desperate to tell us so do you know what I mean the, the narrative around this result tonight and the Scottish media tomorrow we know it won't be but it should be bigging up Rangers to the hilt. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, interesting to point to make there. Sorry, Grant, not to go down a rabbit hole a little bit, but uh, Scott, you keep me right here, or, or Martin, or one of you guys. Um, I'm right in thinking beating Galatasaray in the last knockout round puts Scotland above Turkey right. in the that's correct. coefficient. Yeah. So there you go. Could be a potential... Well, that's a, a CL place. And where is the meteoric rise up the UEFA coefficient rankings? You know, if you're drawing a correlation... Rangers coming back into the, the Premiership and then getting the right investment. It's almost yeah. like we are an engine of Scottish football. Yeah. You may not get that view with some other um, some other people. Yeah, interesting points of view, gentlemen. Um, as we're recording this, Rangers' next match is against Lesh Poznan at home on the 29th of October, followed by that double header against Benfica, first away on the 5th of November, before the return game on the 26th of November, and then the home match against Standard Liège on the 3rd of December and the away match against Lesh Poznan the week after. We'll keep a watching brief on how Rangers get on there. Let's move it back to yourselves though, guys, because we've talked a lot about Rangers currently this season, domestically and on the international stage. But let's talk about you guys' individual love of Rangers. What made you want to follow Rangers from the beginning, as individuals and then as a group? Well, I'll just really quickly start on that, because... None of my family are interested in football, or at least they weren't until my little brother grew up and he was pretty good at it. Then they started getting interested in football. But I was put in front of a TV with Rangers VHSs that the previous owner of my mum's house had left, and it was the only thing that would keep me quiet. <laughs> put in front of a TV with the VHSs, and that's how I became a Rangers supporter. What a story that is in itself. Yeah. Gentlemen, any other comebacks on that? Mine's isn't that interesting, but it's probably very, very traditional to you know other Rangers fans or, or fans of other clubs listening. In all honesty, I didn't get a choice. My dad was a Rangers fan. I was born born into it. There was there was no two ways about who I was going to be supporting. Um, the first colours I saw were uh, red, white, and blue, and they've uh, they've stuck with me throughout my life, and I'm very, very thankful for them. Yeah, I'm. I'm some of the guys in a lot of respects I inherited it from my grandfather so my father wasn't a, a, a huge football fan at all um, however my grandfather was a, was a huge Rangers fan and a season ticket holder at, at Rangers for a, a long long time um, probably when they were giving out season tickets like books of them um, <laughs> so yeah I, I kind of inherited the, the love of, of Rangers from him and one of my first memories actually was um mid-80s watching um, Skull Cup finals and I'm, I'm really sorry Grant that it was against Aberdeen 
It was also a bit before my time, so I was 91 <laughs> I was born, so I don't feel quite so bad about this. One second, Grant, get him back. Get him back. I, don't <laughs> I need to get up off the canvas here. <laughs> Taking a battering. Grant, do you know what a VHS is? Yes, I do know what a VHS is. I'm not that bad. <laughs> You've seen it in a museum every now and again, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very interesting point. In terms of um, inspirations, players that you have enjoyed growing up following Rangers, who'd be your star men or men of choice, I should say? David Robertson. Simple. David Robertson. Isn't that right, Tommy? Yeah, yeah, Rangers' uh, second best uh, left back um, ever. Um, well, I, I, you know, there's so many. You know, players McCoy's not. It was a cheeky chappy when I was growing up that everybody loved. You know that kind of stuff. Um, I also have a really soft spot because of those VHS you're talking about for you know guys like Jim Baxter and all that. And my dad used to know Jim Baxter uh, when he was coming towards the end of his life. Right. And he, uh, I was out playing football once and the phone rang in the house back when it was a landline. So some of your younger viewers might not know what that. <laughs> There's a phone in the house that was attached to a wall, right, or a wee table in the hallway when it's a seat because you, you had to take your calls and sit down. Um, and my mum picked up the phone. Hi, it's uh, Jim Baxter. I'd like to speak to, speak to Thomas. What? I'd like to speak to Thomas. Say hello, he's a Rangers fan. He's out playing football. All right, we'll wish him all the best then. I hope he has a good game. And, you know, Mr Baxter passed away, you know, fairly soon thereafter. But it would have been, it's just a kind of one of those stories where I'd love to have spoken to him. He was a, an absolute, a legend. If you get a chance to look at his videos, I don't, think I've seen many players who just use the ball the way that Jim Baxter could in all honesty and it's a strange one because he's not of my time period uh, out with that when he chuck in a non-player and say Walter Smith always Walter Smith Joe listen look, my one is, is really simple and the guys will know this um, Ian Giant was my hero when I was growing up absolute hero and I was lucky enough to um, when we started um, the This Is Ibrox uh, podcast I was lucky enough to get a chance to, to sort of interview him Brilliant. Um, for an hour or so and that was a uh, just without saying the silly about it, it was a real labour of love for me. You know what I mean? It was just to to get the chance to sit and and staring to his eyes and ask him all the questions that I wanted to ask him was was uh, it was a, it was a big thing for me. It certainly was. Because Rangers have had so many great players over the years. We mentioned McCoy, Loudrop. You mentioned Girant there, Scott. Even some players like Stefan Kloss of my generation, sort of growing up. You know, Colin Hendry at the back, Amoruso. Alberts, who I think was a fantastic player. You mentioned Davey Robertson. There's a lot of really good players that play for Rangers. We haven't even mentioned Paul Gascoigne, haven't we? I mean, he was an unbelievable player as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we've had an abundance of, of wonderful footballers over the years. Um, I, the, the one that's, uh, I think, often missed, and he was Scottish, is Barry Ferguson. Absolutely. And I think one of the main reasons he, he's missed is because he doesn't, he seemed not to almost give us a fair crack mm -hmm. in his in his job these days. Now, whether you agree with that or not is is down to your own personal opinion. Um, but um, I was a huge fan of Barry Ferguson, an absolutely massive fan of Barry Ferguson. Um, and to think he was a last successful captain is is a bit of a concern. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was a huge player. But you're right, we we had we had an abundance of of quality in the the nineties and the noughties. We absolutely did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to pick up on that because the list is very, very long and we're not, we're not going to run through all Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. No, no, no. Um, it depends what you're, you're classing as. You know, guys with the ball at their feet, Gabriel Amato, uh, guys with the expectation and weight, Ron De Boer, who I was lucky enough to interview. I, I thought Rod Wallace was a really good player. 
fantastic. I was going to say nobody's mentioned Neil McCann. Absolutely. Yeah, a player from Scotland who could deliver a ball like that. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, and I can't say enough nice things about Neil McCann. Uh, so I'm going to stop there because it'll become a bit strange. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to roll back a little bit. <laughs> I'm just looking at Martin doing his hair there, which I think is very funny. It's <laughs> doing my head in. <laughs> so obviously we're recording this podcast with the team from This Is Ibrox. Um, the podcast This Is Ibrox has been uh, on the go um, relatively decent period of time now. How did that come about? What made you guys want to start out doing a podcast all about Rangers? Well, actually it came about by chance because... Um, Adam the boss had I, th- I think this is the story gathered us all together to do blogs and, and articles and stuff like that and we joined a discord group we don't use discord anymore but it was on discord and I found out really quickly that I was a terrible writer <laughs> so in order to stay with the group I suggested that we do a podcast and I think it was only at the beginning it was only really me and Scott yeah. that were really interested in doing the podcast and then we had Wally Boyd, he decided to join us and then Tommy joined us for episode two. So the podcast was really only started by chance. Yeah. This is it here, just to, just before you guys interact again. Uh, this is Ibrox, bringing you weekly Rangers content for free, including articles, podcasts and interviews. If you're not following already, the button is just there and you've got your website there. And uh, you, you, see, you guys seem to be doing particularly well with it. There seems to be a lot of really good crack, a lot of good general discussion about the teams, the games opposition you guys are playing and it seems to be very balanced yeah we've got a lot of good content on there um, and there's a lot of thought that goes in our pod we, 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 we will joke about how um, good or bad the, the research is but um, there's, there's a lot of thought provoking stuff that we put on there um, and I used the term labour of love earlier on I, I, I'm, a, I'm so glad that it's something that I, I've I've started to do this year, I genuinely am, um, and that's, I think as Martin said earlier on in your pod, Grant, it's, it's ironic that, the, that we've not actually sat down in the room, all of us, and sort of shared a pint, not shared a pint, had a pint each, um, <laughs> we're not that we, tight. <laughs> we've, we've, never, we've never had the opportunity to, to sort of just sit around the table and meet each other, a simple thing like um, shaking a hand, not the chance to do that, um, which I think makes the, the sort of the way that we've gelled together that a little bit more special um, mm-hmm. we're a really good group and, and everything we're doing just now is, is working in our advantage I'm going to come back to you Scott because you mentioned in the, the last segment there that you'd spoken with Ian Durant uh, as well in this and there's I'm just having a scroll through here on my phone here the, the range of interviewees that You've spoken to Tony Vidmar, a terrific player himself, Davy Weir, Nik- Nikita Jelovic. I mean, some real high profile names here. Yeah, we've been lucky enough. David Robertson, yes. So we've been lucky enough. We, we have been lucky enough. We, we've, we've, we've had a good suite of guys on there. We have. Um, the, the guys that you mentioned, Tommy was, was lucky enough to. to our first actual um, video um, interview was we with Ronald De Boer um, and it was a fantastic chat I'll let Tommy go into that in it shortly but we've also managed to, to sort of secure chats with guys like Mark Warburton um, like it or not split the support in, in a, a certain manner um, when his, his tenure ended but I think Tommy was, was really impressed with him both on and off camera just to, to, to how passionate he was about his time in Glasgow is that fair Tommy? 
yeah, yeah abs- absolutely it's spot on Scotty it couldn't have been nicer we've been very very lucky you know those people you rained off there I, I was lucky enough to do those interviews as well you know um, David Weir and, uh, and Tony Vidmar Ronald Boer and all that good stuff I think Scott has just missed out the fact that he also is part of one of our other series um, under the This Ibrox banner um, it's called One Night at Ibrox he interviewed uh, Gaeta Mendieta who played for that phenomenal uh, Valencia team. Excellent uh, play. So, yeah, we're really you know conscious of making sure that uh, the content's good and it's interesting, and we try and take slightly different approaches than just your, your bog standard interview. Um, but yeah, you know, I just want to say actually it's um, and maybe I don't say it often enough to the guys as well, but um, half the battle is just the people, and I'm tremendously thankful that I put my hand up to to join. Uh, the guys were kind enough to let me join the podcast that, uh, that Martin had initially founded as well because it was his idea to go into the podcast at Arena. It's a great group and I, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy um, being part of it. The great, great guys, I couldn't speak highly enough of every single one. That includes the guys behind the scenes, other people like Ross who does some amazing blogs, Adam as well on top of it. It's a, from top to toe, it's a top squad. Yep. It can be difficult sometimes, Grant, but it's genuinely probably me that holds it all together, I would say. <laughs> I'm just being modest. Are you like a big tubby copy decks? <laughs> <laughs> I did think you were going to say a big tub of something else there. You pulled out in the last minute. It's a family pod. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to... Actually, to be fair, sorry, Grant, to be fair, that's one thing that we did stress before we started was that we wanted to make it informative, but we also wanted to try and make it as non-biased as possible. We try to be truthful, you know. Um, we, we try to keep everything straight and down the line and keep away all the nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to run through your team. Adam Robertson, contributor on Head Honcho. Billy McCall, web and graphics. Martin Douglas, who of course is on the show. Sam Sneddon, Scott Parson, who of course is here with us as well, as is Tommy McIntyre. Willie Boyd and Ross Kilvington. So go and check those guys out on various social media. Um, in terms of the people you have interviewed, who had the greatest humour and stories to share? I interviewed, I interviewed Stephen Purden, um, obviously a big Rangers fan, and on uh, River City. The stories that he told me off camera I can't go into, <laughs> but we genuinely spoke for about 40 minutes before I started recording. Um, and for any celebrity, regardless of how popular they are, to give you that amount of time, including an hour and hour's interview or whatever, was fantastic. So there's guys like Stephen Purden and, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, the other guy for River City. Jordan <laughs> Young. Jordan Young, yeah. cut that bit out. <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Young as well. Um, for me, it would probably be because of the way that the relationship ended with the club, it would be Mark uh, Warburton and, and David Weir because we spent a lot of time off camera with both of those gentlemen um, who were very kind with the time speaking about some of the things that couldn't be aired and some of the end of that particular relationship with the club um, yeah, th- that was pretty pretty interesting as well My first interview was um, with Peter Hustra who played with the Rangers sort of early 90s and he's currently in um, Kazakhstan uh, assisting Shota Avaladze at Pakhtar Lions getting him for a chat to find out if his Zoom worked in itself was an absolute challenge and it, it took us a long time mm-hmm. to get to get something sort of um, decent and acceptable I think because I think as the guys have alluded to um, 
you're very aware that your fan media is becoming a thing. Yes. Podcasts are a big thing these days. It's vitally important that your content is absolutely spot on. Grant, I'll not need to tell you, you're not going to put anything out that sounds rotten, and that's just the way of it. That's um, it's a it's a slight on you if you put out something that just doesn't sound uh, a quality production. You want it to sound good. We're exactly the same. We yes. want our stuff to sound as good as the next one. It's really important that. Um, we put it out as an A plus. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, the the efforts that we went to try and get Peter Hooster up was absolutely incredible. And when we did eventually get him, it was just it was a great chat, and he, he couldn't have made enough time for me. He was absolutely excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think as the guys are saying, we, we we've we've spoke to a lot of different people, um, a lot of different sort of people with opinions on Rangers when they were there, how it is now, um, and it's just. It's generally been a, a, a really interesting six months or so. It really has. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Can I just give a quick mention in dispatches for William Boyd's interview with Majid Pagera? Phenomenal. Yeah, as well, which, uh, which was a. Yeah, I think Majid was in Dubai at midnight or something like that. Um, so making himself beautiful. But yeah, just a, a worthwhile listen as well. Absolutely. Well, as I said, if you guys want to check out um, their content, um, please head to thisisibrox.co.uk and also check for them on Acast or wherever you listen to uh, your podcast because there's some really good uh, content on there. In terms of the Rangers Menti, we've gone and talked a lot about them, obviously, on this show. Rangers women are, are really in a progressive way, aren't they? Because obviously Glasgow City are probably the dominant force still in women's football. But Celtic and Rangers have gone professional in the women's game. That has to be a positive thing long term for women's football, isn't it? Absolutely. I think women's football in general is on the rise. And I've been to see the women's team once when they played over at Hamilton. And there's a lot of stigma, I think, that's attached to women's football. And especially during the World Cup, I didn't watch the women's World Cup, but there may have been a few performances. But from what I've seen, the quality of the women's game was, was really, really, really good. Um, so and that, and also just just on the women's football, it's something that we are going to look to in the future, taking a lot more of an interest in. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they've certainly made a good start. They won their opening match against Hearts. They're in the SWPL one. Um, and as we're recording this, I think that I, I don't know when their next match is, but they, they beat Hearts three 0 But there's there's some really good teams in that group. We obviously mentioned Glasgow City. Uh, obviously, I watched Spartans and Hibs um, at the weekend. Past two other good sides as well. And we mentioned the Celtic as well. It, it it's good to see the women's game, as you mentioned, Martin, improving all the time, isn't it? I think the professionalism of the the women's game has, has been raised you know, tenfold or whatever metric you wanted to put alongside it and those players are now getting the recognition that they deserve. You're quite right Grant in terms of flagging up that you know Rangers were the first club to go professional uh, in the women's game uh, in, in Scotland and there's been a lot of investment put behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, in terms of making sure not only the, pro- the professional contracts are there but wedding the women's team into the operating cadence and and rhythm of using Rangers Training Centre, making sure that they are access to the same coaches and the same uh, resources um, as the the men's one. So there's no disparity and there's no discrepancy at Rangers. They they take it seriously when they say, you know, it's it's a club open to all and we're being professional about this. And then they've made some really big signings as well, taking players from Glasgow City, as you've quite rightly referenced, but also, and uh, one of our you know, first written interviews 
was also with uh, Baladevi, who was the first Indian female player to get a, a professional contract. That's Rangers setting that as well. Um, so, yeah, there's been massive strides mm-hmm. in there, and Rangers at the forefront of that, which is exactly where I expect to see a club of our size and, and stature. I, th- I yeah, think it's... Sorry, go on, Scott. Uh, I, I was just going to say, Grant, I think Tommy alluded to it there, that they're very much um, part of the fabric and they're, they're, they're clearly taken seriously. Um, Gregory Vignal was in charge of the of the, the women's club for, for a, a short period of time and now I believe, I think it's Malky Thompson that's Malky in charge in, of yeah. them now. So um, the latter is a, a really highly regarded coach. Malkin Howie, very highly regarded. The fact that he's in charge of them would suggest that um, you know, I mean, the group are being taken very seriously indeed. Mm-hmm. So, best of luck to them for the season, as, as Martin has sort of suggested. We'll be keeping um, an eye on how things go for them this year. And um, all things being well, we'll have some more good news to report um, as the season progresses for them. Absolutely. I think it's a really important point to include the women's game when we talk to fans of big clubs in Scotland because you know football is not just all a men's inclusive game there is a, a lot of very good football female players as well and I like to include equality um, and gender balance on the show so I want to give my uh, heartfelt Sorry, good just, luck to, to that's Rangers to your credit season. by the way because there's not a lot of other podcasts that do that so that's to your absolute credit to, well, thanks uh, for that forward thinking really forward thinking we go about it. Yeah, I, I take a little bit of inspiration from Andy Murray in a way because, you know, he's always looking for equality in the in tennis and, and I look at him as a little bit of a, an inspiration to when I sort of do my own thing. So I just wanted to give Rangers women a bit of a shout out as well uh, on this as well. Guys, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat about Rangers um, and obviously the season so far. We, we've talked about aspirations for the season. In terms of coming towards the end of the season if Rangers don't win any silverware this season where do you see Steven Gerrard long term is he still going to be manager of Rangers or is there going to have to be a new direction that takes place obviously I'm just hypothesising here I'll take that one I think if if Steven Gerrard doesn't win the league this year but has a good run in Europe, i.e. gets out of the group stages and wins the Scottish Cup, I think he'll be at Rangers next season. I think if Steven Gerrard doesn't win anything this year and has a good run in Europe, I think there'll be a decision to be made at the end of the season for the board. I'm not sure what direction the board would want to go, but for me personally, it was a three-year project. If he doesn't win anything this season, if there's no trophies at the end of it, then I think as good as the team are playing, as well as what we're doing in Europe, he has to go. I'm going to haul myself off the fence here because the, the, the two interesting opinions. I, I think it's uh, the board are right behind Steven Gerrard, so are the fan base. If he doesn't win a trophy, I, I think it was really difficult for him to stay in position. If he was to win a trophy, but not in the league, I still think it's really difficult to stay in position. If it's not the league title, I think Stephen Gerrard might uh, might call himself. Just to, just to be very clear on that, I think he might call it. I don't think this board would sack Stephen Gerrard. Okay, I'm in agreement with that, but just to bookend that, as Tommy would say, if he, doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't get to a final and we don't win the league by four or five, six points, then he will be gone and like Tommy says he will go himself if he gets to a final and it 
you know what can happen in finals, it doesn't work out and we lose the league by a point, that might be a different discussion. Mm-hmm. I think as well, Graham, one thing that I, I think will, will sort of, not, you could argue help us this season, but I think we'll see it in Scottish football. Um, everything's in cycles. I I think that the however many points, seven and six in a row that that shower across the city believes they're going for this year, um, that will decade away at their season and I genuinely believe that they will eat mm. themselves alive and Rangers will pull away from them by mm-hmm. quite a distance mm-hmm. I want, That's an interesting point and I really wanted to ask you about the, the situation with coronavirus because we've seen a lot of clubs struggling with Covid cases we've seen Kilmarnock, Motherwell Samirin, Hamilton, Aberdeen to a point, having to postpone games, players having to self-isolate from the outside looking in, Rangers haven't had too many situations with COVID touchwood so far. Has that been a blessing in disguise for Rangers as well? Well, the re- one of the reasons for that is is that you know our players don't jump on planes to Spain for a couple of days and then come back, and a, gr- a big group of our players don't go to pubs when there's specific guidelines that tell you not to go in groups to pubs. So I would get that. In. <laughs> I think there's a there's a common sense approach to Grant though that we've all had to do this whether you're working in the chemist whether you're working in Tesco's whether you're playing for a football club there's do you know what I mean with, I don't want to sound like Nicola Sturgeon but there's rules just follow them for goodness sake follow them and if, if if everything goes according to plan, we'll be able to go and watch our team again. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting point I wanted to make because you know it seems to me that the clubs who are going to get out of this Covid situation quite well will in my view be the ones that Generally, will be more successful throughout the season. If you follow well, the reasons, just, that so, sorry, Martin. Uh, just, just to go back to the original question, because I don't think you know we naturally answered it, which was, you know, has it been a blessing in disguise for Rangers? By and large, I'd say no. Everybody's in the exact same boat. If individuals haven't followed the guidelines and the protocols, you know, Celtic players, Aberdeen players, for example, um, then that's down to individuals not following that. I don't think Rangers have been given any benefit or any other club. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, everybody's playing in the, a similar situation. The biggest thing has been no fans there. So, no would be the thing. I don't think it's been a blessing in disguise for Rangers. And I'm quite fully aware that at any point in time, just by the nature of the way the pandemic works, uh, or the virus works, I should say, Rangers might get players or staff who can, you know, contract this virus and then they're self-isolation there. It's not a game of, you know, oh, yeah. you get somebody... Let's, 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 for the record, let's hope that that doesn't happen. I'm going to say that on record. Absolutely, thank you, Grant. That's a really good call out, buddy. And you know, you wouldn't wish it on anybody, and I include absolutely that not other clubs as well. But you know, it might very well rock up at Rangers too. Um, that's why squads exist, and that's why these protocols exist. I don't think any club gets a real advantage over it, um, as long as there's consistency from the governing body, whereby if players get it, they are isolated or the game suspended or it's called a, a, a loss or anything like that. That uh, decision making has to stay firm and consistent. It shouldn't change for other clubs. Yeah, no, it's an interesting. That's why point. I host, Grant. That answer there is why I host. <laughs> no, that's absolutely. <laughs> no, it was just a general question I just wanted to ask, and it's a very topical, topical conversation. So I really wanted to bring that to the forefront. I'm glad you guys gave a, a really good uh, question answer on that. I wanted to ask you about Rangers TV and about the introduction of Clive Tilsley coming in because there's no doubt about it. That's a huge statement for a club like Rangers to get someone as huge as Clive Tilsley in who's be, who's commentated on Champions League finals and major England games onto Rangers TV to commentate on big games. How big a plus has he been? 
excellent addition to, to what is a, a really good Rangers covering TV channel. Rangers TV this season so far has been excellent. It has. Um, the, from Emma Dodge, who's doing the anchoring on it, who's first class, um, interviewing is, is excellent with the guests that she has on. Um, it's just a, it's a really polished gig now Rangers TV I think and I think historically it's been given a bit of a tough time rightly or wrongly um, but I think this season they've really stepped up a bit I mean we speak about the guests they've had on they've had Graham Souness they've had Walter Smith on there Amoruso's been on for a stint as well Neil McCann is an unbelievably clever man when it comes to talking tactics mm -hmm. you could listen to him for hours I, I don't want to even think about what Tommy's going to say he's probably <laughs> away in the toilet um, there's, there's no doubt that, that Neil McCann you could speak to him for hours about football absolutely hours um, Clive Tills is a fantastic addition to, to the team he, he has the he has that unmistakable voice you, you know exactly who he is um, and we're lucky to have him he's, he's commentary's first class and I think when you look at the the, the commentary boards that he produces on, on his yeah, social media the, the detail that he goes into is absolutely incredible mm -hmm. so yeah we're lucky to have him commentating on games up here but generally yeah, absolutely, and I think the, I think the whole Rangers uh, TV crew, as you said, I mean, you mentioned Emma Dodds and, and people like that. I've really enjoyed hearing Ali McCoyst on co-commentary. I think he's absolutely fantastic. He's also been very good on Sky, I may add as well. But I think that's really good as well. But it seems like the Rangers are really trying to make things polished. And you mentioned that word earlier, Scott. And I think that's what's coming across very, very well. well I, think I think Tommy, I'm maybe stealing what you said on the podcast. If Rangers are going to provide a service for supporters when they're not able to get into the stadium and they're also going to charge supporters who want to see the games. They have to bring us a product. But just going back to what you said on Clive Tilsley, and I think it's absolutely spot on. He's, he's been immense and he's a fantastic commentator. We can't forget the level of service that Tom the commentator has given us over the years. Yeah. He's been there through thick and thin, through admin, through liquidation, whatever he's been there. So he can't be forgotten. I know he sometimes does the away games and stuff like that when Clive can't make it, but he can't be forgotten as well. Yeah. Very good yeah. point, Martin. I'm not going to say anything about Neil McCann and his input. I'm just, let's let's move on before I hyperventilate. <laughs> No, I think it's a really, I think it's, a, I think it's a really good point. I just wanted to say what a great coverage it is, and uh, I just wanted to highlight that. Last question, guys, because we're coming to the end of the show. Um, what does the future hold for the This Is Ibrox podcast and you guys as fans as a whole? It's time next year we'll be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rodney. Um, <laughs> I was an only fools and horses gag for those who maybe aren't aware with that great BBC yeah, well, series. Thanks for, the, thanks for telling me how old I am there, by the way, Grant. That's really appreciated, mate. Um, Sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't speak for the rest of the guys. Certainly, we'll continue to, to do this and putting out some really good content. We've got some new things coming on board from This Is Ibrox in terms of the way that we'll be doing content and the actual content itself so, so watch this space personally, come May I look forward to be celebrating um, because that's when they start handing out uh, title prizes and uh, I, I fully think that uh, we will be celebrating Can I just say, since we started we have started with the thought of we do this because we love the club we don't do this for profit there's no money in it whatsoever and what we are look, looking to do is if there is any money to be made out it via advertisements or via our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash this is then 
all of that money, every single penny of profit we're looking to put back into the Rangers youth development, that's what we've came and we've all agreed. Yeah. That's one of the big things we're looking at going forward. Really nice, really nice words, Martin. Really nice words. Good calling, Good calling. Scott, what about you? Last yeah, word to I, you. I think Tommy's kind of um, suggested what I was going to say. We're, we're working on a lot of um, quite exciting things in the background, I have to say. Um, there's a lot of things going on just now. Um, the, the, the gaffer, uh, our sort of main editor, Adam, um, works his buns off to, to get us lots of good things and some things take time and you have to you have to learn to tolerate that but I think and I know indeed that Adam's working on a lot of good things in the background for us just now so hopefully there's going to be a lot of new projects that as Tommy suggested there we'll be able to roll out in the next wee while so we look forward to that and um, fingers crossed we can pull it all off yeah, he I'm always rejects my ideas I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think that's a, that's a sad one to hear that. <laughs> let me get my let me get my violin out. <laughs> I think that I know that bombshell. I think we better come to a conclusion. Um, just to uh, say again, um, crew from this is Ibrox bringing you weekly Rangers content for free, including articles, podcasts, and interviews. You can find them on Twitter at this is Ibrox or on their website at thisisibrox.co.uk. Martin, Tom, Scott, really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Thanks very much for coming on Campbell's Footballs. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91 on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's footballs. What a dangerous night.